Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. All right, well today we're starting a new series together. Last week we finished up our, our time with the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we spent about a month and a half on it, and even spending a month and a half just felt like we blew through Mark, but, uh, but we're done with it, so we don't have to, have to go back anymore on it. So we're done with Mark. Check that one off. Uh, no. uh, today, though, we are starting a new series called Cautionary Tales. So let me just um, let me give you some free advice. This will at least cover the cost of the ticket to get in here. That if you, any time, you know, never miss an opportunity to learn a lesson from someone who had to learn the hard way. Never miss an opportunity to learn a lesson from someone who had to learn the hard way. If someone's got to learn the hard way, more than one person might as well learn that lesson as well. For instance, when I, um, uh, when I was a kid, I grew up working in my parents' lumberyard, and one of the things that we did there, one of the services, is that we would cut custom glass. And, uh, and I was taught how to cut glass, uh, but that was only half of my learning. The other half of my learning came from seeing how people at work did it wrong and ended up in the hospital. I never ended up in the hospital, but learned to cut glass. Why? Because I, I saw my coworkers and my dad mess up and get hurt, and I realized I don't want to learn that way. Also, uh, about that same time, I was learning how to drive. I got my driver's license, got my first car, just like all my other friends. And, and my friends, boy, with this, this newfound power and, and independence in a, in a vehicle, uh, learned uh, uh, how fun it was to drive fast. They also learned that if you drive fast everywhere, you get tickets. And they learned, and I learned through them, if you get enough tickets, your insurance goes up. And then if your insurance goes up, your parents may not be willing to pay it anymore. I learned from them to follow the speed limit, keep my insurance down, and let my parents pay it till I was 26, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I've also unfortunately had the, uh, had the displeasure of, of sitting in the front row uh, to, to watch families and couples who ended marriages and broke up families. And I looked at that, and I, I've seen it enough to say that that I don't want that story to be mine. And so I watch, and I learn, and I, I learn what it means to try to love my wife the best that I can so that that doesn't become a story in our life or our, our children's life. And, you, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. You just have to learn the hard way. But any time that we can learn through the experience of another person saves us a lot of trouble and a lot of pain. The Bible is full of really good lessons that are taught to us by bad people. And this series is going to focus on some of those villains. It's going to focus on some of the people who maybe we wouldn't call villains, but certainly at times in their life, 
they showed us how to live, not by copying them, but by learning, uh, learning from them. And what we're going to do in this series each of these weeks, and we're just going to spend three weeks on it, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at, at a, a few individuals, and we're going to look at what makes them so bad, uh, look at how that person or, or the spirit of that person can still live on through us today in 2021, and then look at how God responds and reacts to that part of us uh, and, and how he can redeem that part of us. And the first story that we're going to look at in the series, it comes from Genesis 4. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to open that as well, or on your phone. If you have a paper copy, look for the, you know, look for the uh, 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 table of contents, flip forward about two pages, and you're there. Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel. Here's how it goes. Eve gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to her, his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel in his offering, but on Cain in his offering he did not look at with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood rises up to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the land, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. East of Eden, kind of like his folks. So, what cautionary tale are we to learn from the story of Cain and Abel? How are we to look at Cain's life and say, that's a good lesson from a bad person? How can we let Cain live the, learn the hard way and have us learn from that? Well, okay, here's one. Here's one to start with. Um, don't kill your sibling. Good start. Maybe a little too concrete, though. Uh, okay. How about this? Let's turn towards the, the New Testament author. A New Testament author named John does a beautiful work in the first, second, and third books of, of or first, second, and third John. Now, this is different from the Gospel of John. This is uh, first, second, third John. You'll find, if you're not familiar with, with, with the Bible all that well, it's towards the end of the Bible, right before uh, uh, Revelation. And, and John may have, chances are, probably was the same as the Gospel writer. Not 100%. But the point is, not the Gospel of John. There are three separate letters that John wrote to a collection of churches who were struggling with division and internal conflict. And in his first letter to them, 
He pleads for peace and unity, and he leverages the story of Cain to get there. Here's what he says. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. Love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. A question worth asking today that was just as worthy to be asked back then is, can the spirit of Cain be alive and well in our churches today? Can Cain live on through us in, these, in our church communities. Uh, John's interest in this story is how Cain destroyed Abel because of his anger fueled by religion. Anger fueled by religion. Can that still live on today? Absolutely. Anger fueled by religion. Anger justified by religion. Cain's hatred was, was rooted in his jealousy of Abel. Abel offered a sacrifice that, was, that found favor in God. Uh, with God. Cain didn't. Anger fueled by religion. This kind of makes, uh, makes me think of, of the, um, the song Imagine by John Lennon. One of the, one of the uh, 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 most influential and known, I think it's actually the second most influential and known songs uh, uh, to come out of the United States. Uh, uh, well, I guess they're not really, well, point is, whatever. You know it. Imagine by John Lennon. And in that story, he paints this picture of uh, uh, this like utopia of what would it be like if these things that divide and cause people to hate one another were gone. And specifically, he looks at, well, what if countries... We're gone. What if we understood ourselves as, as, as one people? What if religion was gone? If religion were gone, if countries were gone, would we find peace? Would we finally live in, in harmony if these things were gone? It's worth asking. It's worth wondering about. I would argue no, but that's not the, the point of today because, because I, I bring this up to say I spent a lot of time in preparation for, for this message, researching the, the sacrifices that Cain and Abel brought. I was trying to figure out like what, what was going on with Cain's sac- or, or offering that was so much worse than Abel's. What was, what was wrong? And, and as, as I worked through this, and I finally, like, opinions were all over the place, but I finally got to a point where I'm like, okay, I think I have an answer that I'm willing to at least share, share publicly. But then I ended up deleting, and I cut it out of this message, because honestly, that answer doesn't matter, does it? Because Abel's murder was not justified by an answer to that question. If we can understand exactly what was going on with those sacrifices, why it is that Abel found favor and why Cain didn't, it doesn't matter. Because no answer to that question justifies his murder. In fact, trying to justify Cain is part of the problem. Trying to justify why it was okay for Cain to do that is part of the problem. It's part of the cautionary tale. And this is important because it's still popular today to justify hate rather than to own our own sinfulness. We can find this on a global scale. We can find it on a, on a local scale. Many Christians have conveniently forgotten that Jesus tells us to holster our weapons, to, 
to turn the other cheek, and to seek peace through radical love. Many of us know the story about Jesus forgiving the people who are killing him on the cross, but we, we, conveniently, we forget, maybe, that he calls us to do the same of those who are our own enemies. We all love and enjoy forgiveness, right? Who doesn't want to be forgiven? But who's willing to give forgiveness to those who wrong them? For, um, I think as Christians, I, you know, we, we pray for and we mourn those who are, are persecuted around the world, who are, who are ostracized, who are killed because they're Christians, and we should. There are people who, 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 I mean, you can jump on a plane and be there by the end of today. It places in this world where, where what we're doing now is illegal, where what we're doing right now would lead, all of you would be ostracized, you could be round up, you could be jailed for what we're doing right here, what we're doing in, in public. You might be killed for doing it. You would be killed for doing this in certain places around the world. That's all true. Yet, at the same time, we can so easily bless through our silence the same fates of people of other religions at the hands of so-called Christians. Because the reality is that, that for Christians, we are, statistically, numbers-wise, Christians are the most persecuted religion in the world. However, we are also at the hands of persecution around the world at the same time. For some Christians, love is unconditional until we reach a person who thinks differently from us. Love is unconditional until we have to, until we have to cross a border. Of course, we don't have to look across religious or state lines. We can unfortunately find it just relevant in our own lives, in our own dealings with, with people locally. Hate spews between Christians uh, between, uh, because, because one person or a congregation or a denomination reads the Bible a little bit differently from someone else who worships in a different way or has a different method to their ministries. Cain, can be, Cain tried to justify his actions by denying his responsibility to his bro, to, for his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain lives on today, not through sin, but through the denial of sin, the joy of sin, the protection of our, of our right to sin, the refusal to be held accountable the weaponizing of God's word. Cain lives on through the justification of our hatred. Hatred is not of God. If you, if you hate another person, and, and you're okay with that, the spirit of Cain lives on through our church communities. And as long as Cain lives on, Abel is still being murdered in Christian communities today. Jesus was drawn like a magnet to the marginalized. When you look at it, it's, it's easy to look at the disciples because of their influence and their legacy, and you think, my goodness, what powerful people. No, no, those were, the people that Jesus called, his original followers, man, they were not social elites. They were not influencers. He was surrounded by just a pile of misfits. And yet, in, society, in society's marginal, it's society's marginalized groups, those who, who Jesus spent the most time with, that often become the modern ables in our churches today. Not that, not that churches are, are murdering people, though in some parts of the world they are, but church communities are still hating people. 
It's easy to find a label that we don't relate with and make that the direction of one's hate. Remember, Jesus says that hatred and murder are, are one and the same before God. And when we justify this hatred with our own viewpoints or experiences, or we just cherry-pick Bible verses that support what we already believe, then what we end up doing is, 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 is resurrecting Cain rather than imitating the, the resurrected Christ. If we truly believe that we are saved by grace and not by works, which, for the record, we do, then there is no place for the spirit of Cain against those who sin differently from us. And just as Abel threatened Cain by his righteousness, Jesus threatened many of the people uh, around him and in his, with religious authority. Abel and Jesus made, met very similar fates. In fact, Christ is the antithesis of Cain. Christ is the opposite of Cain. Cain brought death, Jesus brought life. Cain killed his brother, Jesus laid down his life for his brothers and sisters. Cain was banished from God's presence, and Jesus made a way for us back into his presence. And at the end of the day, Jesus died like Abel, innocent and in God's favor. And whereas Abel offered a, a suitable sacrifice to God, Jesus was that suitable, perfect sacrifice. The most extreme expression of hate is murder. That, that's, why Jesus, that's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount equated murder and hatred. He says, don't you, he says, you know, and when he says you know, he's referring to the, the Ten Commandments, the law. He says, you know not to kill one another. I mean, we shouldn't even need a, a, a commandment for that. It's just something we should, should know. But Jesus says, you know, don't kill, do not, you know, do not murder. He says, but if you hate your brother or sister, and you have murdered them in your heart. Before God, hatred and murder are, are equal. But the opposite of hate is love. And Jesus is the most extreme example of love. He was the one who laid down his life for us. But Jesus is far more than the opposing character of Cain. Because Jesus is the one who, who doesn't just reflect the opposite of, but he's the one who heals. Jesus is the one who heals that, that part of Cain in ourselves, and honestly, I would argue in all of us, everyone, myself included, a little bit, of, a little bit of, of Cain that's there. So how does God in his holy nature respond to us in our Cain nature? And this is how we're going to finish up today. We're just going to look at, at these three things, these three progressive ways that, that uh, uh, the ways that Jesus meets us in our identity as, as Cain. And, and the first is that, that God, uh, God fights hatred with mercy. Jesus was mistreated by people. You've been mistreated by people. But another person's misbehavior doesn't justify our mistreatment of them. John says in, in 1 John 3.14 that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. Nothing justifies a response of hatred. Nothing justifies a response of hatred. Not even hatred itself justifies the response of hatred. I think it's only natural for us, honestly, to, well, maybe, I, you know, how about this? I won't say us. I'll just say me. And you can insert yourself into this if this is you. I have the tendency that if someone 
treats me the worst, then I want the worst to happen to them. And that's just, I mean, that's just my leaning. And, uh, and unfortunately, that's the part of Cain. That's, that's what we'd probably call like, like uh, uh, the, the natural, original sin, is that when someone treats us poorly, our natural reaction is to almost hope that the same thing happens for, for them, which is probably why God's mercy is so wonderful when we have it. But we cry foul when, when somebody else is on the receiving end. When we live in such a way that brings death rather than life, Jesus responds with, with mercy. Not, not that he lets us get away with it or any person get away with it. He's also full of justice. But he responds with mercy so that we, and, and with him, we can work through it. And because God is full of mercy, he forgives irrationally. God's forgiveness knows no limits. That's irrational. Not that God is acting irrational. But for many of us, a forgiveness without limits, that feels very irrational. Jesus on the cross, he looked down over the people who were responsible for his death, and he said to them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Really? Because if that was was me up there, I don't think that would be the line that I would be using to, 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 with, with some of the final breaths that I have in my life, in my short life, that, that I, would be, I would be looking down on the people who killed me and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And look, I don't know, would you be any different? Would you be able to do that? I, I hope that we can. And I believe that through the Holy Spirit we can be transformed into that, but it takes time. And for some of us, our intuition is not always there. Even Cain, who never fesses up and takes responsibility for killing Abel, did you notice that? He never said, I'm sorry. He never asked for forgiveness. He never, he never showed any grief for killing his own brother. And yet even Cain is shown God's mercy and is eligible for God's forgiveness. And because God forgives irrationally, we are offered second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances. We are offered this unlimited opportunity to begin again. I, I love, there's a, a pastor who once told me, uh, 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 you're not done till you're dead. And, uh, and in the sense of God's forgiveness for us, it is available to us. As long as you have breath in your lungs, as we sang, as long as you have breath in your lungs to worship God, as long as you're alive, you have the opportunity to receive God's forgiveness. You are eligible for God's forgiveness because you receive his mercy. And because God fights hatred with mercy, and because he forgives irrationally, we have the chance to begin again. Now, we can't go back in time and undo the hatred or the sin or the things that, 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 that we are accountable for. You can't go back in time, but you will get an opportunity to come to that path again. You will get an opportunity to decide whether you take the route of love or hatred. And as God changes us, as our humility meets God's mercy and forgiveness, those two together are the, are the element. That's the equation 
that produces a transforming life. When we have the humility to learn and the humility to acknowledge our own sins and shortcomings, and when that is paired with the reality that we worship a God who gives us the opportunity to begin again and shows us mercy and offers us forgiveness, that is this beautiful formula that leads to a transforming life. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you do offer us your mercy. You offer us forgiveness. God, there's no distance that we can run to to get away from, from you. You continue to be with us no matter where we go. And God, that is an act of your, your mercy. God, we pray for the we pray against the, the spirit of Cain that exists, well, in all of us. The fact that evil is not a, a thing that separates people, but really divides each of us down the middle. It's a sinful part of ourselves, and we acknowledge that. But God, thank you that, that you meet us with your mercy. And that you give us opportunities to begin again and to start over. God, thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for never forgetting us, for never rejecting us. doesn't matter how hard we run, God, you still keep up. And we thank you for that. God, help to heal the part of us that hates. The part of us that maybe even uses our own religion to justify the hatred of another person. God, heal that part of us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. If this was your first time listening to us, we'd love to know that you're out there. Text the word hello to 616-300-1776. And that'll open a line of communication between us and you. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.